is a Woodside Church podcast. We're going to continue our series in 1 Peter. And I'm speaking today on uh, the theme that we've, we've spoken on in both our congregations this morning. What it means to be God's possession, belonging to God. We sang about it, didn't we? He's a good, good father. <laughs> and we belong to him. And so just before I read the scriptures, just one or two little words by introduction. As we have seen, uh, Peter was writing to a number of churches uh, right over an area which is now northern Turkey in the main, a little bit the western Turkey because it talks about Asia as well, which is where Paul mainly ministered, but also right across the north along the Black Sea coast uh, because by this time, even though it was only, I don't know, 30, 40 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, there were churches right across that area. Sadly, many more believers than there are across that area today, though we've got many church planting teams, even in our own family, working there. So, um, and these were probably churches that either he'd planted or he'd visited. And although Peter's commission mainly was to reach Jewish people, whereas Paul went to Gentile, that's other nations, people, um, Peter also served people who were from uh, other, na- other ethnic backgrounds because by that time the church was wonderfully multicultural. I liked your introduction, Hudson. Nobody in the band has the same mother tongue. <laughs> okay. It's, and that's what it was like in these churches in the New Testament. And, uh, but these churches were mainly quite small at that time. Ephesus would have been bigger, but generally quite small. And uh, the, they were all new believers. I mean, how many people have been converted more than 20 years here? Been believers more than 20 years? Yeah, quite a lot. Actually, if I'd been in visiting one of those churches and said, how many of you have been believers more than five years? Very few people would have put their hands up. Um, you know, because they would have been new believers generally. And were faced with having been brought up in, but now having to live in a culture very different from the one that they had. I don't mean culture in the sense of whether it's uh, African culture, Asian culture, European culture, that sort of thing. Sorry, I know I mustn't walk over there, must I? Because the uh, Hudson and Tim have both warned me, don't walk over there, okay, because you get in the way of the projector. So um, just... I'm not used to that, you know, I like to go to you over there and you over here, okay. And, uh, and so, they, I don't mean culture in the sense, because God loves all cultures in that sense and we express our worship through the different cultures, but in the sense of the way of life, then it was very, very different what they were introduced into to what they previously lived in and what everybody else lived in around. 
living in a worldview, that's the, another name for the basic way people think, that's different from the Bible worldview, is what Christians most of the centuries in most of the world experience. And yet for people who've been Christians a long time in the in Western countries, particularly in the UK and in the United States, they find it strange now that our culture, our worldview, our outlook is totally different from people around. And we sort of, sort of long for when people at least acknowledge God and that sort of thing. But actually, the church most of the time uh, lives when the worldview around is very, very different. The early church did that. And the early church didn't do so badly, did it? Reproducing itself in many, many places. So don't get put off by the fact that the worldview now thinks very, very differently from how the Bible teaches. I'm sure Andrew will touch on that. But don't be put off by that, because that's normal. That's normal Christian living. So let's read the scripture. Otherwise, that's such a big subject I could... Without opening the Bible, just talk about that, so I won't. Okay, so let's read the scripture together. And I'm reading from 1 Peter chapter 2, the first 12 verses or so. So, get rid of all evil behaviour. Then he gives some examples. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment, like babies do. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honour. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the meditation of Jesus, through, sorry, through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honour. And anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust in him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that. For you are chosen people. You are royal priests. A holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you're God's people. Once you'd received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. So what's Peter writing about here? You see, Our history and where we fit or our identity is very, very important to people. In today's world, 
particularly as our country is becoming more multicultural, praise God. Everybody's concerned about their own history. Many people from other parts of the world will go, children will go to school and will find they're learning everything from an English perspective. And that's not wholly satisfying because people say, well, but what about our perspective? You know, England isn't the centre of the world. And, and English people too are finding what, what's our identity. Lots of people are exploring it and finding out how many ethnicities in history make up their DNA. People, people get these, these tests and find it out. Many people get very surprised. And so, who we are is very, is very, very important to us. It brings security. Who do we belong to? And it's also important in the Bible. If you've read much of the Bible, you know sometimes it just has a long list of names. In fact, the New Testament starts that way. All the ancestry of Jesus. The book of Chronicles, if you've ever read that, the first ten chapters approximately are just lists of names. You know, you know, when you read that, if you what sort of people that read through the Bible regularly, which is a good thing to do, and you get to that bit, you can either say, I don't understand the word of this, why is it all there? Or you can say, I can get through this quickly because there's nothing much interesting, so, and then I can get on to work. <laughs> and, but the Bible's full of history and where we come from. Uh, the Bible is a wonderful story that's what scripture is. It's a wonderful story. Not just doctrines and rules for people to keep like many religious texts. It's a great story. And the people of Israel, the Jews in the Bible times and today, were very conscious of their own history. And the New Testament writers major on this as well. They keep saying Everything we're living in was what, was what fulfilled what was written in the prophets. We often skip over that. The problem is, those who have been Christians a long time, many of us have been taught to read the Bible while taking out little verses on their own. Is that right? You know? Well, this verse means a lot to me. And so on. The Bible was never intended to be read taking little verses on their own. It was intended to be read as a great story. And when Paul and Peter and the others are quoting verses from the Old Testament, the people they were talking to would have been told the stories that those verses represented. So when they wrote it, they expected all the people who were listening to think, oh yes, I remember that story. We were taught it. Remember, at that time, they only had the Old Testament. The New Testament, as Andrew again will say, 
was not actually all, it was all, some of it was already being written, but it was not all compiled until many years later. But, and so they, they, they told the stories. And so whenever you read something that quotes from the Old Testament in the New Testament, you have to think, what story was that? You don't just think, oh, that's a nice verse. You following me? Uh, with me? And so, under, and so underneath this are stories that the people would have been told. And it's interesting because most of them wouldn't have had Bibles to read. Because the scrolls on which the Bible was written down would have been very precious and would have been stored away somewhere. You ever thought of that? No, obviously not. Okay. Whereas today, we have a multiple translations. We have it on our phones. We have it on, you know, it's, it's, we can have it everywhere. It's very accessible. And that's great. We praise God for that. But... We remember these people were told stories that they then remembered the stories of. So that when it was alluded to, and even though they'd only been Christians a few years, the teaching they'd have had by visiting apostles and teachers would have been to tell them these stories so that they understand it when Peter was writing. Okay. So when the New Testament quotes Old Testament text, it's a shorthand way of referring to the whole story. So here, and this is my first thing, we join the family story. Firstly, we join Peter's own story. You see, Peter starts talking here about stones and rock. Well, that was Peter's story. You know, they were in a town called Caesarea Philippi. And Scylla and I have been to the site of that when we visited Israel a couple of years, two or three years ago. And in Caesarea of Philippi, there's a massive rock, huge cliff rock, from which water is flowing out of, actually. And they were there, it was a town then, but with this great big rock above it. And Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And they came up with various theories. Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the appointed one by God, the son of the living God. And Jesus turned to him and said, and you're Peter. His name was Simon. You know. It's like, me turning to Ron. You're Peter, actually, Ron. <laughs> I mean, what do you mean? And Peter sounded very much like the word for a big rock. They're underneath the big rock. And he says, you're Peter. Sounded like rock. And on this rock, this big rock, 
I will build my church. Now, what that, that rock wasn't Peter. The rock was that he'd said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's the rock. And so, but it was Peter's story. And he was like a stone, but there was the rock. That was his story. I'm sure because he's very disclosing in this letter. I'm sure he often talked to them when he was there. You know how I came to Christ? Of course he would. Paul often did it. Do you do that? Yeah. Well, I, this is how I came to Christ. When you're talking to new people. And he had told them the story. And so they're joining Peter's story. The story of this great rock. This, what became a rock of stumbling to people that didn't believe. But to those that did believe became the cornerstone or foundation stone of God's new people. So, if you've made this confession, he is the Christ. He's in charge of my life. I I owe everything to him, the son of the living God. Then you're Peter. You're a stone. You understand? You're all called Peter, really. <laughs> I won't play games with you, but you know, we could have some fun with that. And the, you understand. And so he says, you are, so you've come to join my story, but more than that, you've been joined to the big story of Abraham's children. The whole of the Bible reflects on Abraham's children. Okay? Because that's the people of faith that bless the whole world. And you are joined in because you've come to the Messiah. You've come to Jesus Christ. Christ Messiah is, is the Hebrew word for, the, for Christ, which is the Greek word. That's all. You've come to the Messiah who is the fulfillment of everything that was promised throughout the Old Testament to bless the world and change it. Hallelujah. And you belong to the world-changing people that have been joined to that. That's your identity now. And he's the fulfillment of all God's promises in the Old Testament of a new temple that was to come. The old temples... There was a tent in the wilderness and then there was a temple in Jerusalem. They were just little shadows, the Bible says, of what God was going to do. Which is to have a temple that fills the earth. And he's the cornerstone. In, in, In those temples of that time, the cornerstone was the stone, a big stone in the foundation which all the measure or everything was measured from. That was the cornerstone. And Peter quotes Isaiah. And he'll be, they'll be thinking of this story. Who says that following the exile in Babylon, there'll be a new foundation, a new cornerstone. That if you believe you're safe. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It says in Isaiah. Look, I'm placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem. 
a firm and tested stone. It's a precious cornerstone that's safe to be built on. And whoever believes need never be shaken. And so Peter is saying to this small group of believers, you are part of the people of God that come from Abraham. You're joined to the line of faith, of everybody of faith in whole history. You belong. You maybe think you're, in terms of the Roman Empire, that you're nobodies living in a village in Bithynia, which wasn't the most important part of the Roman Empire. But you have a destiny and a purpose by belonging to this great historic family who carry the truth of God to every nation in every generation. That's your identity, friends. That's who you are. And it's not just that I'm a believer, God loves me, and I'm on my own, but that's fine. No, you are joined to a historic people of God with this commission. You understand? And this cornerstone is honoured. It was rejected by Jewish religious leaders and Roman political leaders. But God makes him the cornerstone of a spiritual building, which, although it, didn't, although it wasn't anticipated at the time, because the Roman Empire looked as if it would never finish. It was at its high point here. But this temple, this new building, will outlive the whole Roman Empire. And every other empire that has ever been. Sadly, those who reject him will themselves fall under God's judgment. And so Cornerstone is a vital part of the story. You know, when we're gathered together for worship and we have to sometimes remember that when people come in, and we hope many do, who don't know the Bible, you know, sometimes our songs sound a bit daft, don't they? To people outside. They're precious to us. So we sing Christ alone, cornerstone. Now to someone in the world today, what on earth does it, what does it mean? They're worshipping a cornerstone. Okay. And we don't often explain it. And I guess there are many believers that don't understand what it means. but quite like the tune. But the <laughs> Christ alone, cornerstone, that means... He is vital to everything that happens through history, everything that will happen as redemption goes to this world. He's the chief one. It's good to explain that sometimes. Because to us who believe, it's everything. It's our new identity. It's what we're built on. We are part of this big story. So, firstly then, we join the family story. Secondly, we enjoy the family identity. He says, you are not like that, those who fall away. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. We heard testimonies about that today. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you'd received no mercy, now have you received God's mercy. And Peter goes on 
We don't just to say, describe our identity as the people of God. And again, he's quoting extensively from stories of the people of God in the Old Testament and joins us in with that. Here he is quoting the key scripture. And this is, please listen carefully at this point. You know, I know you all switch off sometimes. At this point, he's saying, the first time Israel was identified as a people, as a nation, was when they came out of Egypt and they were given this identity as the people of God. It was the first time. It was their national beginning. Lots of countries, and it's good, celebrate their national days. Or when they started as a nation, or when they threw off the colonialists and started it on their own. Yeah, yeah, those are things to be celebrating. And, uh, but he's saying, this is when you started. The people of God started. Uh, and it was given to the Israelites when they were rescued from Egypt. So they came, they'd just be rescued. And, and so... Everybody listening to this would have thought of the whole story. Oh, yeah. They escaped from Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. And they escaped through blood being put on a doorpost. And the Red Sea being opened. Oh, and that's just like us. We've been saved because Jesus' blood was put on, a, on wood, on a cross. And it was like the crossing of the Red Sea was Jesus being risen from the dead. So that's us. You understand? And what God said to them when they just come out of Egypt was this. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you'll obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure. That's lovely, isn't it? For among all the peoples on earth, for all the earth belongs to me. See, we're not special in that sense. We're special because God loves us and we're his people. But all the world belongs to him. And that's why our mission is to announce it to all the world. That's what Israel should have done. You will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. And so he describes the people as my own special treasure. And that's the word that Paul, Peter, sorry, that Peter means here. And when he says my very own possession, the Greek word there means the treasure in a royal treasury. That's what it refers to. Hello? You are jewels in the royal treasury. You understand? Do you believe that? Very precious. His possession. That's what he said. He says, the earth is the Lord's. That's a reference to all the peoples, all the nations in the world. They're all his. Israel were intended to be a kingdom of priests for the blessing of the whole world. And Peter says, even though he's a Jew himself, this is fulfilled now in all from every nation who have been rescued and forgiven by Jesus. You're all part of the kingdom of priests. Okay? You're all a priest. Hudson started this meeting by saying, 
you're all saints. Yes, but you're all priests. We're all priests. That's why we don't have a special group of priests that can give communion, for example. Now we respect those who think differently on that, but because we honour the whole body of Christ. We say, no, you're all a priest. No one's more a priest than anybody else. Because I'm a preacher, I'm no more a priest than you. We could all do that. You can break bread with other people in your home. You can be, because you're a priest. And what did priests do? The people of Israel were taught this. What did they do? They represented the people before God. That's they prayed for them. They represented God to the people, shared his word, and they blessed the people. So this is our role together as a people in this world. We're here to pray for the world, not to condemn the world. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, so let, 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 So we certainly shouldn't. We're here to pray for the world because we're priests. We're here to speak to the world the word of God in grace and we're here to bless the world. Understand? That's what priests do. And then, he, my time is going, so I've got to race through this bit. But he quotes another scripture about the people of God from the prophet Hosea. When the people had gone completely away from God, and Hosea, as a sign of this, had to do an awful thing, really, lots of awful things. But one was to call one of his children, not belonging my, to my people, and another child, not loved. Imagine calling your children that. Well, he only did it as a sign of the people to the people because later God said, now rename them. Rename them, you are my people. And rename them, you are loved by God. Okay, because God didn't leave those children of Hosea in that terrible position. And in the Old Testament, it even referred to Israel's enemies becoming part of the people of God. It says, in that day, Israel will be the third, along with Egypt and Assyria, the two main enemies of the time. A blessing in the midst of the earth. For the Lord of heaven's armies will say, blessed be Egypt, my people. Remember that if you keep thinking of one nationality as being the people of God. Remember, Egypt, my people. Blessed be Assyria, the land I have made. Blessed be Israel, my special possession. You understand? It's bringing a blessing to the whole earth and uniting the nations who would be otherwise enemies. And then finally, oh dear, sorry Tim. You okay? Learning to live the family values. Peter then says we have to live as different people with new values in front of those outside the church. Remember that life was much more public in the Eastern context than the New Testament. The idea of an Englishman's home as his castle was not invented then. Okay. <laughs> right. It's, you know, people just wandered in and out of each other's homes. It'll all be public. And so he said. You've just got to live because everyone's going to be watching you. Now you've estranged, uh, now you've joined this strange new faith. They'll be watching you. 
So he says, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbours. But I mustn't speak on that, because that's next week. And uh, Tim divided the scripture at this particular point. Okay. But at the beginning of what I read, he says a similar thing, so I can say it. He says this, so get rid of all evil behaviour, be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy and all unkind speech. It's interesting what he identifies first as an examples of bad behaviour. Not some of the things that we would identify. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you'll grow into a full experience of the Lord's uh, of, of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. This is our outworking of what uh, one chapter of Peter chapter 1, your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. What's this teaching us? Well, the word of God produces life. It's not just a sermon or a dry text. And new believers and all of us, in this sense, we're all babies, okay? Need to cry as a new baby cries for milk to grow to be part of the family. And like a baby crying out for nourishment, we should be as well. Do you cry out for it? I just can't wait to hear the word of God preached again. Is that what you say? Oh, no. Boring. (laughs) I cry out for it. Because the word spoken under the power of the Holy Spirit changes things. And as a result, reading the word of God for ourselves is very important. Though, as I say, for believers of that time, it was what they remembered of the word of God. Because they didn't have the texts. Preaching is very important and not to be downplayed. Because the word of God, as I said, preached, produces change in us. Often today, preaching is not considered important. People learn differently now. Now, it's true that preaching style is to adapt to the culture we're reaching. And I've learned that as I travel around the world, preaching differently wherever I go. Same truth, but do it differently. But preaching in the anointing of the Holy Spirit in public when we are together is vital. And that needs saying in our post-pandemic lives. Okay? And through this, we will learn to change our lives so that those things aren't there amongst us. And so, just by way of conclusion, Peter is addressing our identity as a family, who we are together. In Eastern culture, that would have been obvious. You were who you were part of. Still so in the East today, isn't it? Those of you from the East, you are who you are part of. In the West, it's more, I am... And I might choose to be part of something. That's not the Bible way. The Bible way is who you are is because of who you are part of. You are people, part of the people of God. You are saved into a family. Therefore, you live out who the family is. And there's what's called in, in our day deconstruction of church and even of our faith which is one reason why I'm getting Andrew to speak be careful scriptures don't envisage isolated believers on their own unless they're in prison but a people 
It means our identity is first as the people of God and only secondarily our nation. Whether we're British, African, Indian, American or whatever, it's not the main thing. I'm, an, I'm not an Englishman who happens to believe in Jesus. I'm a believer in Jesus joined with other believers in Jesus across the world who happens to be English, in my case. You understand? My identity is not first being English or Indian or Pakistani or African or Italian or, you know. My identity is I'm part of the people of God but God has chosen to put me as an English person to pray for my nation just like everybody to pray for their own. You understand? We're purchased by Jesus' blood to be part of the people of God. We sometimes sing, From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name. I've been born again into a family. Your blood flows through my veins. Now that's not literal. That's spiritually. His blood flows through us. It's a great song, although it would be slightly better to say, I think, without wanting to criticise, because it's a great song, and I couldn't write such a great song. <laughs> your blood flows through our veins, which is the message of that. You're born again into a family. Your blood flows through our veins. Do you see? And also, and please, that, don't take that wrong, because... When I'm singing it, I sing it as it's written. I'm not going to offend copyright and I honour the people that wrote it because it's a great song. But and we must also be careful to identify the people of God according to the New Testament, composed of every nation, Jewish and Gentile, who believe in Jesus. The temple is now not to be in one place, Jerusalem, but in every place because Christ is the cornerstone of this living temple of living stones because they are being constructed of people everywhere, in every church community, in every city, town and village across the world. That's where the temple's being built. Not in Jerusalem anymore. Jesus actually said, no, not in this mountain or in Jerusalem, but wherever you are, you worship, in Father and, you worship the Father in spirit and truth. Yeah? That's who we are now. And you can sometimes if you watch certain... Christian TV programs talk about a temple being rebuilt and all that sort of thing. Please, no. It's contrary to New Testament teaching. The temple is to fill the earth, which was always the intention of God. Okay. So, let's live that way. Therefore, you understand who you are. The people of God. Amen? Amen. Right. I definitely just pray briefly, then we'll worship Jesus with that wonderful song. I've mentioned two wonderful songs, but I'm choosing one of them. Uh, that we'll worship Jesus with as we bring this scripture into our lives practically. Father, in G I pray now in Jesus' name. Help us to know this, who we are, that we are... Uh, that we are joined to a new family. Help us to enjoy the family identity and help us to learning to live the family values. Lord, I pray, help us together 
in these days. Lord, we pray in Jesus' amazing name. And all God's people said a big Amen. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.